Hi everyone. This does feel like family. Uh, every time we are with you, we were last with you in summer at the end of our 10-week sabbatical. This was the last church we worshipped with before we went back to our church. And um, every time we're with you, we feel a deep sense of family and we sense the presence of God. That's a, your gift to us. Uh, to be honest, this church was like God's bait and switch for us to get us to the U.S. We used to come here uh, regularly, almost every year. And uh, coming to Pasadena, coming to this church, God really spoke to us about, about moving to the Southland, to SoCal. And we thought everyone in Southern California was as cool and as loving uh, and as intimate as you guys. Uh, we, we ended up about 40 minutes away from you in a great church. But honestly, this is not flattery. You were the bait and switch that got us here. We thought this is what it's like to do church here yeah, and to do family. And every church has strengths and weaknesses. But your real deep sense of love for one another and love for Jesus really stirred our hearts to come here. So thank you. And uh, it is a privilege to be able to come uh, and preach to weeks in a row, unless I blow it and Terry says, you can't come back. But uh, as I understand, you're beginning a series or have begun a series on worship, looking at a life through the lens of worship. And I uh, asked Terry if first up I could talk on, on worship and rest. And uh, that really hits close to home because we took 10 weeks after 10 years of living and leading here to try and rest. And we realized how difficult <laughs> that really is. Um, after six weeks of incredible rest, my wife said, what is wrong with you? <laughs> You're like a cat on a hot tin roof. And I uh, realized that actually it's one thing to rest your body, but to rest your soul is a whole other thing, isn't it? And so I, uh, I want to talk to you out of uh, Mark chapter 2, at Jesus as a model of rest, and, and how Sabbath, but not just Sabbath, a life of entering into Jesus as our Sabbath rest, um, is worship to God. Um, we dropped off our son, oldest son, at college in Chicago, and, uh, and that was part of sabbatical, and uh, I missed him so much. Uh, every time in the first few weeks I'd drive up our driveway and see his old Chevy Impala sitting there, I'd get all choked up, etc. And so I, I would just drive it because I'd feel closer to him, like oh, I'm, I'm closer to him. I, in the name of like, I've got to keep the battery charged, you know what I'm saying? I'd, I'd drive it and, uh, and actually the battery was dud. I mean, every now and again I'd have to trickle charge it, etc. And uh, and I think that's often how we think about rest. We just need a recharge. We need a vacation. We need a day off. We need to be on a beautiful desert island or whatever. Uh, but, but actually, I, I began as, as I began to look at Jesus' life that we don't need so much a recharge of our battery. We, we need a change. We, we need a change of our battery. We need a change of rhythms. And so what is it to enter into Jesus' rhythms of rest as worship to God? Uh, rhythms, I don't know how you think about rhythms, but, but rhythms can sound repetitious and boring. Uh, and, and in our day and age where we, where we want things new and uh, the, the idea of, of, of rhythm sounds repetitive. And so before I, I dive into the gospel, I just want to read a quote from G.K. Chesterton about our aversion to rhythm 
uh, and he says this, he says, because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. <laughs> For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. Don't you, don't you love that? But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never grown tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite for infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. What is it to exult in the monotony of rest as worship to God? Taking our cue from Jesus Mark chapter 2, verse 23, and I'm going to read about 20 verses. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? And he said to them, Bigadia, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath." Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Beautiful. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed him from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. The Gospel of Mark is the Gospel of Action. It's the shortest gospel, and uh, it is action-packed. At one stage uh, in Mark 3, it says... The whole city had gathered to Jesus' door. <laughs> you think you're under pressure? The whole city had gathered to Jesus' door. And early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up and went to pray in a desolate place. Uh, Jesus was no sluggard. He worked hard. And, and, and here we see Jesus uh, resting and working on the Sabbath. Uh, he, he could have abolished the law of the Sabbath, but 
he actually repurposed it. He, he fulfilled it. And he gave us, under the, the new covenant, a model for rest. He was, he was improvising. Uh, he, was, he was picking grain. And what we know about uh, the Herodians and the Pharisees uh, during that time, they took the law, which Terry read from the Ten Commandments, and they multiplied it uh, in a way that was a real burden around people. And they had laws and laws and laws of what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. And Jesus, by picking grain with his disciples um, on the Sabbath, was breaking the 39th law. And we know that they were really offended by that. And then he broke another law, and that was healing some, someone on the Sabbath. And, and yet he didn't abolish it. Uh, he, he, he fulfilled it in the sense that he went and worshipped and prayed on the Sabbath and then withdrew in a boat to rest. Jesus seemed to love the water. Uh, he was always calling his disciples to get a boat and go to the other side. He was getting out of Dodge. And so he was setting up this wonderful rhythm of, of eating, of worshipping and withdrawal and then saying to us, actually, this Sabbath law is not meant to be a millstone around your neck. It is for you. Man is not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a gift. It's a man made for mankind, humankind. And so I, I want to look not just at the Sabbath, but this idea of rest in, in three ways. Firstly, that rest is a gift. And then secondly, that rest is a struggle. And then thirdly, rest is a rhythm. Uh, we've got to learn to exult in monotony if we are to enter into his rest. How does Jesus repurpose rest for us? Well, rest is a gift, firstly. that The Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And I think Jesus was making two points here. Uh, the one point was don't be enslaved by Sabbath legalism. And he was talking to Pharisees that were trying to enslave people through Sabbath legalism. But but the other point he was making was don't ignore the gift of the Sabbath. Uh, so on the one hand, he's speaking to first century Jewish people who were enslaved to legalism. But on the other hand, I think he's speaking more to our day and age. Don't neglect the gift of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for man. Man is not made for the Sabbath. Don't be enslaved by it. But the Sabbath is made for man. What is it to, to rest, not just in a day, but in a rhythm. Ronell and I had uh, a front row seat to Sabbath legalism. Uh, we, we lived for five years in a Jewish community. I'm part Jewish, and I was fascinated by it. We, we actually bought a house from some Orthodox Jewish people and stayed in their granny cottage for about three months while the sale went through. And it was just fascinating. I'm like, these are my people. And Ronell's like, you're 116th Jewish. You're not really. They're not your people, but they're, they're my people. And, uh, and, uh, and we were fascinated by their Sabbath rhythm, where on a Friday afternoon, there'd be a flurry of activity, baking and picking up kids from school, etc. And then by sundown, on Friday night, everything would be still. And uh, they even had their lights, their electricity on a timer because they had this, this conviction. You don't do any work. You, you don't switch on or switch off anything. And then on the Saturday, they would walk to the synagogue. They'd, they'd eat. They'd sleep. They'd read. And I remember the one Friday night, it was about 11 p.m., we'd had... Uh, friends over for, for dinner, and uh, Anthony, the owner of the house, the seller of the house, 
we were seeing our friends off and he came out to me and he said, please, please, can you come into the house? And, and, and 11 p.m., young family, all the house lights on. And he said, I forgot to switch on my timer. And he takes me to the DB box. He says, please, will you just press that button there? I can't, Sabbath, it's Sabbath. I was like, okay, okay. Mm, you know, and, and all the house lights went, thank you, thank you, you know. And I went away as a, quite a proud, arrogant, well, I'm under grace and you're under law, you know. Thank God for grace. And, and I do thank God for grace. I do thank God that this is not something that we should be enslaved to. But as Renal and I, over decades, have reflected on their life, we go, no, no, we actually missed the point. We missed the wood for the trees. They were doing something that was good. And what is it in our day and age, in, in our cities that never stand still, in our culture where we boast about busyness. How are you doing? I'm busy. Oh, you think you're busy? Um, I, I'm busy. No, 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 I'm busy, you know? We, we, we boast about busyness. We boast about how many hours we, we, we put in, about how many business trips we do. And we do it in the name of, oh, I'm so, so tired. But actually, our identity is, a, is fashioned around our productivity. We're not good at rest. And, and the upshot is not just that we're tired, it's that we're restless. Augustine, the early church father, said, Almighty God, you have made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in thee. What does it mean to look at Jesus as our model of rest? The Sabbath was made for man. Let's look at a quick source of the Sabbath. I won't take too long. Terry uh, read out of Exodus, but Gen- Genesis 1.31 says this, God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work he had done in creation. Those of us who, well, we're under grace, so the Sabbath thing, it's, it's done. Let's just let this sink in. God, the eternal, almighty God who never grows weary, rested. He put up his boots and he looked at what he'd done and he said, it is very good. God didn't rest because he was exhausted. God rested because he was rejoicing in his work. That's the heart of Sabbath is to be able to say, it is good. Our work is never done. Our work is never done. That's why we struggle to rest. But resting, imitating the image of God, is to say, it's good. It is good. And God gives us an example. I mean, you think you've had a productive week. God, in six days, created the heavens and the earth and all that. You think you've had a productive week? And then he said, it's good. I'm going to rest. I am going to Rejoice, And he calls the day holy. Calls the day holy. And then he calls his people in Exodus 20 to do the same as part of their worship to him. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner within your gates. In other words, Sabbath is not the luxury of the rich. We don't like put our, our feet up while someone does 
our backyard working slaving seven days. Sabbath is not a white upper class privilege thing. Even the immigrant actually as, as an Im image bearer deserves, has the right to rest. Why? Because God rest. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. If, if the Ten Commandments were a pie, a large piece of that pie, <laughs> one third of the pie, would be the Sabbath. It's, it's really important to God, really important to God. Now, now I'm going to move away from Sabbath. This is not all about a, a, a seventh day. We'll, we'll get to the practice, but I'm, I'm just wanting us to see how important this was in creation and then in the formation of the people of God, even as they came out of slavery in Exodus. Actually, Sabbath was an expression of freedom from slavery. No longer do you have a Pharaoh making you make bricks out of straw. You are free, and free people rest. Free people rest rest. You know, Americans have never worked this much ever. Our so-called labor-saving devices keep us on call all the time. You know, you talk to anyone who's over 50 um, in this nation, and you talk to them about what it was to grow up, and they get all nostalgic, and oh, those days when everything shut down, there was no 7-Eleven, you know, we were 24-6, not 24-7, and everyone got dressed for synagogue or church, and then went home for dinner and slept, and they, they look, and we say, well, well, we're not living in that, in that age. We, we do have a 24-7 culture, and it's not, it's not good uh, for us. Workaholism is massive. Uh, we're working on average 37% more than 50 years ago. Uh, you know, the Japanese, famous for their workaholism, have a word for working yourself to death. It's called karoshi. But actually, the stats say that Americans work more than Japanese. Uh, we work, on average, 100, 100 hours more per year than the British, 200 hours per year more than those pesky French, and 300 hours more than the Germans. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? Multitasking is a prized social skill. I think it's overrated. And, uh, and, and the depression and anxiety stats, they connect to our restlessness, to our restlessness. Judith Shulovitz uh, talks on, on, on bringing back the Sabbath, and, and she talks about reacting to her Jewish legalism, and then in her middle age, realizing actually there was a restlessness of soul, and she recaptures this rhythm, sacred rhythm of rest, and she said, but the problem is not that we take some hours off, but that our, our, our challenge is to still the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. In other words, we don't not rest because there's no time to rest. Busyness is one thing, but actually we, our souls have an inner murmur of self-reproach. In other words, if we're not being productive, we don't feel like we have identity. And so as much as Sabbath is a gift, Sabbath is a struggle. Sabbath is a struggle. And this is where we, we see Jesus' words the Sabbath is made for man. The, 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 this, 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 this rest, it's, it's, it's for you. It's, it's a gift for you. It's, it's for restoration. Don't you love this? Where the, the most beautiful words in this passage where he says to this man, come here, come here. And it, and it echoes his words in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary 
and who are laboring and heavy laden. Come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. This is more than just about a day. This is about a person. Come here. Come here. What what he's doing in in restoring this man's withered arm is he's repurposing the Sabbath to say, this is not a law. This is a sacred rhythm to restore you. He restores. The, 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 The gospel uses these words. Come here. And he restored his withered soul. Jesus is the one who restores mind and body and soul. But we've got to come to him. We've got to stop our our labor. He says, not just come to me. He says, learn from me. Come to me, Matthew eleven twenty eight, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will provide rest for your souls. All of us have this, these moments, whether it's in worship or in life group or around the scripture or sometimes on vacation, sometimes when we take a day off, or when we sleep in, where, where we're feeling rested. But unless we learn from Jesus, unless we learn from his, his rhythms and His way and the posture of His soul, we will have fleeting moments of rest, but we will not enter into His rest, which Hebrews 4 says. What, what, what Jesus is talking about here is that deep rest of the soul that is below the rest of the body. You know, when you sleep... There, there are seven levels of sleep, and the deepest is REM, that, that deep sleep. Jesus is, is talking about that kind of rest. I, I, come to me, and I will give you REM of the soul. And that's hard. That's, that's a wrestle, isn't it? And as I said, six weeks into our sabbatical, I found myself like a, a, a cat on a hot tin roof. And I spent some time with a spiritual director who, who put his finger on this, that you, your body is now rested. But actually, why is your soul not rested? Why do we struggle to find the kind of rest of the soul that, that Jesus offers? And I want to suggest that the, the reason for it is that we haven't yet dealt with our pharaohs. Because when the Old Testament spoke about Sabbath and rest, it often talked not just about imaging God in Genesis, but actually a Sabbath rest as resistance towards Pharaoh. Deuteronomy 5.12. So, so this is Moses' second giving of the law of, of Sabbath. The first is Exodus 20. But he says, You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. The God of the gospel. You didn't save yourselves. The Lord your God saved you. And then he says, therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. In other words, what what Moses is saying is God rescued you from slavery so that you can rest. And you must resist your pharaohs. Otherwise you will never experience deep rest of the soul. Now, I know as I speak, you're thinking of your pharaoh. You're thinking of your boss. You're thinking of your planner. Maybe you're thinking of your labor-saving saving or slaving device. You're thinking of your work week. And, and, and those are, are things. I, I, I do believe that we need to have conversations with slave driver bosses. 
We do. Uh, many of us find ourselves in jobs where our bosses are dangling carrots. If you are the first to arrive and the last to leave, then I'll promote you. I had a boss like that. And, and it's difficult to actually have those conversations and, and just actually say, no, 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 actually, no, I'm not playing that game. God is my boss. I, 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 I was a rep. I, was, I, was, I said, I will hit target every month, but actually, I can't play that game. Some of us have to uh, have conversations with the, with the pharaoh of our kids' uh, music teachers or soccer coaches. We've had to have difficult conversations with our kids' soccer coaches. J just saying, actually, actually, these are our priorities. These are our sacred rhythms. Sunday is a sacred rhythm, not because I'm a, I'm a pastor, but, but actually because we're Christians. But... But, but the Pharaoh, I've found, the Pharaoh that keeps me from the kind of rest that Jesus is modeling in this passage and offering in Matthew 11 is actually me. <laughs> I am my worst Pharaoh. How about you? And I realized during sabbatical that, that the thing that keeps me from resting is actually my deep fear of mediocrity. It's not my church, it's not my elders, it's not my wife, not the bank balance. It's me. I have a deep fear, not of failure, but of mediocrity. And so I could always put in just an extra hour on my master's thesis, or on my blog, or on my sermon series, or on my discipleship group, or whatever it is, on my house, on my backyard, because I hate mediocrity. How about you? Hate that idea of just being average. And if we look at rest through the lens of the gospel, so often we are restless because we are trying to justify ourselves through our work. And we've missed the fact that ultimately the work that makes us who we are is not the work we do, but the work that's been done for us. Can I say, Mercy Town, the truest thing about you, Terry, Linda, Tyler, Jesse, the, Thomas, the, the truest thing about you is not what you do. The truest thing about you is what's been done for you. That's what ultimately justifies us. That's what ultimately gives us our sense of dignity. That Christ on the cross cried out, it is finished. That's what justifies us. And the problem with our work is that we're looking for moments of justification. That promotion, that month-end meeting, that boardroom, that pat on the back. And all of us want affirmation, but, but when we look for justification from that, we become our own pharaoh. What we see in this passage was that Jesus never looked for justification from his work. So he was actually able to down tools even when the whole city was gathered at his door. He was, he was able to work when the Father said work, and he was able to rest when everyone else was saying work. He was free. He was free. Uh, let's look at, at a couple of movie instances of how we justify ourselves with this. You know the, the first Rocky movie where uh, Rocky is saying, if I know I win, if I win against... Who was the first Rocky uh, guy against Draco, I think? 
Apollo Creek, then I'll know I'm not a bum. If I win, then I know I'm not a bum. That classic Chariots of Fire movie, Eric Liddell, famous sprinter against his competitor, Harold Abrahams. And Eric Liddell actually was able to say, I'm not going to race on the Sabbath because I'm justified by what Christ has done. Versus his competitor, Harold Abraham, who said, I will raise my eyes and look down that corridor four feet wide with 10 lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. 10 lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. See, friends, the, the truest thing about you and I is, is what has been done for us. And we can only find rest when we sit under the words of our Sabbath rest, Jesus Christ, and say, look, there's still work to do. Parenting, yard work, sales, boardroom meetings, creativity, ministry. But actually, the true work that justifies us is finished. And when we hear the words of Jesus, it is finished over us, we can also hear the words of our Father saying, it is good. It is very good. All of us are under construction. All of us are at work. But actually, the truest thing about us is that the work has been completed. So rest is a struggle, and we have to face up to the Pharaoh in our own lives that keeps us from deep rest that Jesus offers. And then finally, rest is a rhythm. Rest is a gift. Rest is a rhythm. Uh, rest is a struggle. Rest is a rhythm. Verse 7 says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. The Son of Man is, is Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, we only find rest when we come to him. We don't ultimately find rest by putting our feet up, going to the Dodgers game, getting on a desert island. All of that can help and, and is amazing. But how many of us have found ourselves in that and said, like, why am I still so restless? Because the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He is Lord of the rest. He gives us the deep REM of the soul. But if he's Lord of the Sabbath, what is it to learn from his rhythms? Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. He told his disciples to have a boat ready for him, lest the crowds crush him. I'm going to get really practical here in the final five minutes. Is that all right? Because once we've, we've dealt with our, our hard issues, and that, that just doesn't happen overnight, but, but I'm really trusting that, that if you and I are trying to justify ourselves by our, our work, that we allow the cross to, to re-justify us. But once that's happened, how do we look at, at Jesus' rhythm in this passage? And he has the sacred rhythm of eating, not going to cook, of eating, going to pick grain. He, he has a sacred rhythm of worship, of gathering to worship and to pray. And he has a sacred rhythm of withdrawal, Find a boat, and let's go to the other side, lest the crowds crush me. Jesus is giving us permission to get out of Dodge. He's, he's giving us permission to, to go into solitude to a beautiful place. 
I am not a big one of saying, well, this is the Sabbath day. It's Friday night to Saturday night or it's Sunday. I mean, it can be Sunday, but depending on your life stage, the age of your kids. I mean, some of you are just going, forget a whole day. I mean, one hour away from my kids would be just awesome. What, what, what I'm asking is that we at least look at Jesus and, and, and his rhythm and say, Lord, won't you teach, teach me? Come to me and learn from me. Won't you teach me? And if, if I'm married, can we have conversations about finding a rhythm of rest? Not rules as much as a sacred rhythm. There, there are two inner disciplines of, of rest that I want to encourage us to, and then five outer rhythms that I'm going to land with. Firstly, that, that we acknowledge that Sabbath is resistance. There's an inner discipline of acknowledging that Sabbath is resistance. Are we able to have difficult conversations with those people that force us to stay working? Are we strong enough actually to, loo- to, to lose great jobs that are, that are causing us to be restless? Are we willing to not be promoted? Big questions. I can't answer them for you, but, but Sabbath is resistance. Part of resistance is resistance to this. Are we able to say, this is my Pharaoh? And are we able to switch this thing off, to, to unplug? Absolutely key. We are trying to slow down our, our Sabbath, and it's not all, always on the same day, but, but on the day that we're going to rest, even if it's for a, for a half day, we will start the night before. On a Thursday night, you will generally find me smoking meat. I'll be smoking meat because, because, it, because it slows me down. Light a fire. Don't have a microwave meal. Uh, in, in our go, go, go culture, you don't go from on to off just in one meal. You, you actually have to slow down. We've got kids. Many of you got kids. Have a conversation with the kids. This is going to be an unplugged night. We're going to read and we're going to sit around the fire. It's just once. You won't die. Sabbath is resistance to the tyranny of the urgent, to the tyranny of technology. Second inner discipline, Sabbath is trust. It's trust. Now, many of you are business owners or otherwise you, you, you're having to meet targets and you're saying, yeah, it's fine for you, Alan. I mean, you can rest and people will hopefully still pay your salary, etc. But, but, but this, is, this is why God says, I, the Lord, made the heavens and the earth in six days. Therefore, you shall rest. In other words, I'm okay. I can... I can look after you. To, to rest, whether it's for a day or a half day, to rest is an act of trust to say, Lord, you are a worker. You are a provider. I ultimately am a steward. I love the Chick-fil-A story. I'm not a big Chick-fil-A fan. In fact, I, I, I only crave Chick-fil-A on a Sunday, for heaven's sake, when it's, when it's always closed. Why? You know, oh, Chick-fil-A. But, but, but the reality is Chick-fil-A closes on a Sunday and is the most profitable business of its kind per square foot. And it's a, it's, it's a picture of the provision of God. 
And, 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 and if, if you listen to the writing of Truett Cathy, who's, who started it, it's not just a religious thing. It's a desire to look after his employees and help them to rest. And God has blessed them. Outer disciplines of the Sabbath, five S's and then our land. Four. Firstly, beyond Sabbath, I, I encourage you greatly towards Scripture daily. There is nothing like meditating on the Scripture to still a restless heart. Nourishing your heart on the promises of God is a key, key way of finding rest. Secondly, what I call Selah. I mean, Scripture called it Selah. But that is throughout the day, and we're getting really practical now, to, to dip in. Selah literally just means to stop and ponder. Before a meeting, even in the middle of a meeting, just to stop. You might find yourself in a non-religious concept context and just to say, can we just stop and can we meditate for a while? Can we still our hearts? You might be praying. They might be going, oh, I'm not sure what you're doing, but actually slowing down. Say la. Teach your employees to say la. Fourthly, solitude. Jesus in the Gospel of Mark gets out of Dodge often. This is different from Sabbath. To practice solitude is to go to a desolate place. We're trying to do that once a month for half a day. And the final one, and Terry can vouch for this, I have been perennially late for 20 years, always rushing to meetings. Terry, as my previous boss, always used to wrap me over the knuckles because I'd get there five minutes late. Why are you always five minutes late? Five minutes late. One of the, the rhythms of rest, and I can't extract it from this passage, but, but it's just helpful, is, is what the Benedictine monks called statio, which was to arrive at your station early to pray. And for the last eight weeks, I've been trying to practice statio, uh, leave early, drive more slowly, and arrive about five minutes early to pray. And if your other compatri compatriots are late, you pray for them rather than get annoyed. Th these are, are practical rhythms, but, but friends, as we land in prayer and worship and communion, I, I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us about our Pharaoh. Because we can look at Jesus and say, oh yeah, Jesus, you worshipped, you withdrew. That's a good rhythm. I can copy that. But if we don't come to him and hear his voice saying, it is finished. Hear, hear the father's voice saying, it is very good. We will still have this inner murmur of self-contempt. We'll still be trying to justify ourselves. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Father, we come to you in this city that never stands still. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his model. We thank you that he was willing to innovate with Sabbath, but repurpose it for us. We, we confess, Lord, that we do not enjoy monotony. We struggle to exult in monotony. 
We pray that you would make us strong enough to exult in monotony. Worship and withdraw. Worship and withdraw. We thank you for this gathering, that that is part of finding rest. I want to pray for this church, Lord, that you would teach us to worship you as we rest. That this is an act of resistance. I will have no God but you. And this is an act of trust. That I am trusting the creator to provide for me, the one who made the heavens and the earth in six days. Lord, thank you that you have modeled that there is enough time in the day for us to work and rest. And so as we come to your table, as we remember the body of Christ broken for us and, and the blood of Christ shed for us, I, I pray that these friends would be set free of, of Pharaoh's. Lord, you know my Pharaoh, my hatred of mediocrity, my desire to be affirmed by what I do. And I bring that together with my friends here and acknowledge that the deep rest that you offer is only possible once I find my deep justification in the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that the truest thing about us is not what we do, but what has been done for us. We thank you. And so, Lord, may we leave this place ready to work well, but ready to rest too, because the truest thing about us has been accomplished by you on the cross. Thank you for your finished work. Amen.